Episode 291, Cloak and Dagger, Season 2, Episode 4, Rabbit Hold. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome once more to Welcome to Level 7, the podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all of its forms that might be, I don't know, movies, not today, might be Uh comics, not today, might be TV Uh series, today, (laughs) and it might be books, kind of today, (laughs) we'll talk about it, but I'm Agent Ben, Ben Avery. And I'm here with two other people. Agent Samantha. And Agent Stu, yay. We're here to talk about Cloak and Dagger, Season 2, Episode 4. And uh, in our post-credit discussion, we're going to talk about something that leads into discussion about our next episode. Our next episode is going to be about the big thing. Is it the Howard the Duck relaunch? No. Oh, man. It's coming back to the movie theater. No, it's the... uh, DVD release of the Japanese Spider-Man TV show. No, that's not happening either. I really oh, that want that to happen. Amazing. That'd be huge that news be for amazing. me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe only oh. me, but it'd be huge news. <laughs> so, yes. no, we are. Our next episode will be Avengers Endgame. And uh, so we were going to talk about the book Thanos. Um, what was the subtitle on that? Isn't it like Avengers colon Infinity War colon Thanos the Mad Titan? Titan Consumed. Titan Consumed is the one I was looking for. And we're going to talk about it. For right now, we're talking about Cloak and Dagger, which I just think, man, this is a great show. And I still think that. Spoiler alert. But I like this episode. (laughs) And I think we have a lot to talk about. But before we do, I would like to just throw out there one more time um, the... There's a superhero series that I'm working on that's audio podcast drama free weekly starting in June. And we're doing a Kickstarter for it right now. And if you would like to support uh, some creative endeavors, um, if if you like the things you've seen come from me before, um, this is more of that. And uh, yeah, go to supersonicpodcomics.com slash Kickstarter. And um, we only have five more days as of today. So when this episode goes out, we probably only have four more days. And we only need $340 more. So I think we're pretty close. Um, and after this, I'm not going to talk about it anymore other than when we start releasing episodes. Uh, let people know because it's relevant to your interest if you like superhero stuff. And, and you might like this. So I'll let you know now. But that I'm not going to talk about it until we start releasing episodes. And we're only going to release episodes if we make our Kickstarter because we're going to pay actors to do it. So I'm done talking about it. No more talking about that until we actually have episodes ready to go. I'm pretty excited, by the way. Just so you know, I'm excited for that. Cool. I'm looking forward to it, too. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you have two listeners at least. And and all I needed really is is three to make me feel like, oh, that's this is worth doing. So I'm, I'm, I mean, if I listen to it myself, that is, I guess, technically. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Ben. Yeah. Is Dandy Daniel Butcher not interested? 
I'm sure I, Evan is interested. I don't know. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I haven't talked to him about it. So <laughs> Evan's curious how we're going to maintain the schedule that we have put out there. But. That's that. I mean, from a long line of production, that's the real kicker, isn't it? It will indeed be the kicker. Speaking of kickers, uh, we are talking about an episode called Rabbit Hold. And so I want you to just um, – this is something that's very important as we talk about this episode. It's very important for you to know about. And that is sometimes it is necessary to pick up a rabbit, but you shouldn't really do that. They don't always enjoy being picked up. But if you are going to pick up your rabbit, here is the proper rabbit hold. First of all, you need to support the rabbit's hindquarters. Okay, your bunny needs to feel secure. And so you have to support the rabbit's hindquarters. Um, that's probably going to be with your hand. Uh, they're going to sit on your hand and face your elbow as they are on your arm. Okay, if they struggle, you have to be ready to put them down because honestly, if they don't want to be held, you don't want to hold them because it's just going to put stress on them. And when you put them down, you want to put down slowly and let them down gently. Don't just drop them. They're not like cats. Uh, they like to jump because they, they, that's one of the ways that they move around. But that is the proper rabbit hold. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will be talking about the Thanos book now. Yeah. Good night. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening to Rabbit Talk on Welcome to Level 7. What, what, have you had a rabbit before? No. I mean, okay. I've, I've gone to petting zoos and I looked this up on the internet. So, like, <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about uh, yeah. let's talk about cloak and dagger now. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if you remember last episode, um, Tyrone's powers manifested in a new way that looks like this really cool cloaky kind of thing, and it's not completely new because it has happened before with the end of season one. Uh, but he was able to de uh, defend a person by making this cloak appear in front of him and absorb the bullets that were shooting. So these bullets went into this kind of shadowy cloak thing. And then the shadowy cloak thing reached out and grabbed Mayhem and pulled Mayhem in, and then she was gone. And that's where we open with this episode. Tandy and Tyrone bamf back into the church. And when I say bamf, for those of you, uh, this is not Banff National Park. Uh in in Canada, this is uh, a reference to how the they would put the sound effect for Nightcrawler from the X Men in comics. It would be Bamf, and so um, they teleport back into the church and they talk about what happened. And they don't just talk about it; they argue about it. And he explains that she didn't go inside of him. Um, it felt like she was being sucked through him and into somewhere else. And then he reveals that this cloak thing has already taken Connors. And she's upset because he didn't bring Connors back. But he can't bring Connors back because um, he just can't do it. He's tried. But maybe she could. And so she has to go in. And... So he, he says, well, I need to be afraid for my life, just like I was the other two times that this happened. And she's <laughs> throwing daggers at him and trying to make him scared. And they talk about the darkness and the real you because she sees his darkness and he sees her light. She manages to make him scared, but not of her. And it works. And she's able to walk into his shadow cloak. And that is how we start this episode. Um in the meantime, one of the gang members who saw Tyrone last episode 
saw his wanted poster on the board when he was arrested, uses his one phone call to let the gang know Tyrone Johnson. He's the guy who was there. So that's our big setup right there. Thoughts? So the so the the enveloping with the cloak and all that, is that sort of how not sort of, is that pretty accurate to how it worked in the comics? Yeah, it feels very comic booky. Uh the difference being like he here it's kind of him and this kind of cloud of smoky shadow. Uh mm-hmm. and in the comics it is the cloak. Like it's the cloak is is used and like you enter into the cloak and you don't enter in but you are you don't enter him, you are entering into like this other dimension and it looks and feels a lot like what they're talking about and showing here. Um now it doesn't That's have cool. necessarily the uh um the cryptic gatekeeper <laughs> like they have here um who gives you know clues and riddles and that sort of thing but answer my riddles three <laughs> <laughs> i really like that um the show is not restricting his abilities to the cloak itself that he can wear anything and he still keeps these abilities is that what they do in the comics is he has to be wearing the cloak yeah, yeah. There there might be some later comics where he doesn't have to, but it is it's pretty much you know, it, it could be taken as that's what kind of is a focal point for him to use. Um, but it is it is definitely a part of how he uses his powers is, is he uses this cloak. And it is actually has like these mystical powers where the, the cloak can grow and um and get bigger. Um one time the cloak enveloped um uh, subway as it's coming along and it's going to run over him and, and his friend. So he envelops the, the cloak goes out, the subway goes in and then he turns around and the subway comes out, you know, and um, you know, so it, it's, it's a big part of, I mean, it's part big part of the title. I mean, it's cloak and dagger. And so here I feel like they're kind of using M they're, they're MCUing it a bit to make it so that, okay, it's called cloak and dagger. So we have to have something that feels like a cloak. Um, but in the comics, it's okay. It's called cloak and dagger and he's got a cloak. You know, he's, he's got a cloak and it's, he's going to well, use it. Well, to be fair, it, it works better as a TV show for him not to be walking around in the cloak. I actually really like what they do with the hoodie and that's still his brother's hoodie from way back when. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, he gets into this hoodie for all the reasons we talked about last season, you know, where it's making a sort of a statement about race and all that sort of stuff. Um, but he gets into this hoodie and that's us- that's a lot of the time when we see him do his teleport thing. Yeah. He well, and he tried that in this episode where right. he was, he didn't have his powers. And so what he tries to do is to um, use his cloak to focus him because yeah every time it happened to him before it was him and something would fall over his his head or he was in his sheets you mm-hmm. know from his bed and it was totally like a a cloak and yeah and, and so until then and then he gets his cloak from from the uh the costume shop for the oh the the crew the crew yeah yeah and and he gets it and yeah it's it, I they've done a good job MCUing this. For, yes, they for have. Sure. For yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that is our opening. That's our our setup. From here, it's Tandy inside the cloak trying to find Mayhem and Connors. 
and it's uh, it's Tyrone outside of the cloak trying to protect his mother from the gangs because the gang that he disrupted with when they went and saved those girls, um, they want him dead and they want his family dead. And so they send people to the last known address, which is where his mom is, is living. Um, and that's really, I mean, that's the episode in a nutshell is she's walking around through this weird landscape that's inside this pocket dimension, or I don't know what they're going to call it or what, what it's going to be. But right now I think pocket dimension is a probably the easiest thing to talk about. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And, and then it's Tyrone with his mom and having their adventure across New Orleans, trying to, you know, stay one step ahead of this gang and, and not get killed. So yeah, that's the episode in a nutshell. Thanks for listening and <laughs> hope you have a you really just want to go home tonight, don't you? <laughs> I I really like how they're moving around New Orleans and how they're using the city as a character. And it's not just the two it's not just Handy and Ty sitting in the church watching, you know, uh, Zorro. It's th- they are moving around the city and using the city in a very specific way. Like they got on the, tro- they got on the trolleys. If you've ever been to new Orleans or have seen princess and the frog trolleys, lots of lots of trolleys up and down the French quarter. So good on them. I also like that when Tandy was in there, she had to, to put her powers on hold. And that also meant that Ty had to put his powers on hold too. Yeah. yeah. That was a yeah. thing that I was going to ask questions about when the time seemed to be brought up. So she can't take, she put her powers on hold. And so therefore he had to as well. I think that's the magic of the cloak. That's kind of going and doing something there. And because this is weird. I mean, there's some weird stuff going on inside the cloak and I don't know, which one do you want to do? This is choose your own adventure. Do we want to go inside the cloak or outside the cloak? Which path are we going to take here? Uh, If you want to go inside the cloak, turn to page 26. (laughs) If you would like to go outside of the cloak, Turn to page 97. You die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, let's let's go with let's go with outside the cloak first because it seems to be easier. It seems that there's a lot of stuff inside the cloak to unpack. Okay. All right. So outside the cloak, there's a phone call from O'Reilly, and she warns Tyrone about the Uptown Kings and that they have his address, and that's where his mom is living. So he goes to her, they have a tearful reunion, and then mom is now panicking and she finds out why he's there. He messed with the wrong guys. They got my name. So she goes and she moves all this paperwork around and puts it away. So it's not conspicuous. And as she does this, a gang member approaches and he's, it's a great moment. He takes her hands, looks her in the eye and says, okay, mom, it's going to be weird. It's going to get weird. It's going to anytime now it's going to get weird. (laughs) It's not getting weird. His powers don't work. So he and his mother run. When do I get what I want? (laughs) So they run, but they run smartly, you know, like this is, she hits the alarm and they go over the fence and then they steal someone's car. She grabs a, a screwdriver on the way out. Why? Because she is planning to carjack and to steal a car. And so they take a car and then they, like you said, they, um, they take the, the uh, trolley and the police are on the trail and mom is really mad with Tyrone, but Tyrone keeps coming back to, I'm not a kid anymore. 
I'm not a kid anymore. And so together they're, they're running and it's smart. He takes her to a place. I just put on the tour and he says Mm -hmm. it's haunted by 300 year old vampire nuns. No one's going to come there. And, uh, and they go inside and there's the legend of the casket women that he tells. And, and mom talks about how, um, she doesn't like Tandy and then the gang finds them. But the kid who finds them first is the kid he saved in the last episode from the bullets with his cloak powers. And mom and Tyrone both take turns kind of moving and jostling and standing in front of the gun until Tyrone just reaches out, and grabs it. But then the gang is there and it's not good. Uh, they're waiting for the gang to come. He calls O'Reilly. He says, I'm looking to get captured, but um, this is where we get into, you know, this is Black Lives Matter material, you know, where he says, I'm going to get captured. But they're like, no, they're after a cop killer. So he tries to teleport and he can't. Until then, he suddenly can. And he and Tandy come out and they're at the church. And I'm not going to talk about what happens at the church after that. But that's Tyrone's journey. And there's some really interesting stuff going on in there. Um, I think I want to talk about the the relationship first uh, between Tyrone and his mother. And she's angry, but then she kind of comes around. And her arc in this episode is to go from, I have to take care of you. I have to take care of you. I have to take care of you until the end when Bridget says to her, um, he can take care of himself. And she's like, I know, I know he can. And she goes along with his plan. The, that relationship kind of reminds me of the one in um, Runaways with Alex and his parents, um, where he's got very similar, you know, very similar issues where the parents have a little bit of a past. That, that's an interesting parallel. I don't know if it means anything. It's an interesting parallel, though. Um, so we know that Ty has been keeping secrets from his mother. And I think it became pretty clear last episode she's been keeping secrets, too. And I'm wondering, what exactly is she doing? Um, and it has something to do with her job. Because yeah, I, if you remember, she her vote was thrown in some election in, or in the, uh, in the voting for the yeah, public I, to I have look a, for these girls. And we I don't know what it is yet. I have a list of feedback about that. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it now since, you know. They don't tell stories linearly in Cloak and Dagger, so we don't have to go linearly here and uh, uh, linearly. I think I got all the syllables in there. Um, it's from Agent Bob, and he says, Welcome to Level 7. Ben, listening to the latest podcast, Tyrone's mother was on a board voting whether or not to investigate an accusation of excessive force, not the disappearance of the girls. Uh. Um, yeah, and so then he also goes on to say a few other thoughts and observations on Cloak and Dagger Season 2, Episode 3. Uh, best line for the episode, who's up for awkward reunion pancakes. I like the nonlinear storytelling in this episode. It's a very smooth way to insert a lot of backstory. Um, Father Delgado, Fallen, definitely hurting and searching for his faith. Very interesting relationship developing between Mayhem and Fallen Father Delgado. Wonder if she will be the impetus to a redemptive arc. I learned something new when you spoke about despair. I didn't know there was a villain by that name. Thank you. Put a pin in that because we're coming back to that for this. And then he said, we had a couple things in common with Netflix Daredevil this episode. I really like the references to Ben Urich with the playing cards to track link suspects. It's all connected. 
Oh, no, he says, it's not all disconnected. <laughs> Secondly, our show is taking the really hard questions about if the ends justify the means, much like the conversation we got between Daredevil and the Punisher on that rooftop way back when. But with the added wrinkle that Tyrone, a person whose skin color often labels him with suspicion and fear, right or wrong, justified or not, is the moral compass of the show. Our ideals and our values have meaning and weight, and ignoring or, dis or degrading them place us, society, on a very slippery slope. It's given way to some very questionable moral justifications. Worrisome is that Tandy seems to be willing to slide uh, down that slope in her haste to do good, a temptation anyone with any kind of power is faced with every day. She gave me a hero worship vibe. Apologies for the soapbox. It's hard to have to wait until next episode. This show has become my newest favorite from Marvel show. Definitely not just a kid's show. Your friend, Agent Bob. So... <clears throat> He kind of touches on two things we're talking about there, and then one thing we're going to be talking about with despair. But um, yeah, there, uh, there, there's the uh, that I don't know what the vote was was exactly implying with her, like who it was that was kind of pulling the string there for her to vote no when she clearly wanted to vote yes. But she also has these things where she's investigating all this stuff about Tyrone. And to try and help him get uh, be able to come home. I I think the next episode is going to be, hey, mom and dad, what were you doing the past six weeks? <laughs> you know huh. what I mean? Oh. It's going to be one of those episodes where we catch up with them because I've I can only remember one shot with the dad and he was walking past some dumpy store. So, it, you know, I, I think that there's a lot going on with both of them. In this episode, they mentioned that they've been separated. Oh, okay. So that was one even thing more, at the beginning with Tandy. Stuff to talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just wondering what's going on with her at work. Who's pulling those strings? So wait, well, not necessarily. We do know one guy. It's uh, Connor's former partner. Mm -hmm. So who is now a former person? He's he's yeah. dead. He's deceased. Yeah. So really, who is pulling his strings? What was he doing? Yeah. But I think we talked about this last week a little bit, and this is just reiterating that we don't know yet. Well, it is also interesting that she has a obviously bad streak because he, you know, at one point Ty's like, "How did you steal a car?" And she goes, "You, what is that? You never forget or something you like don't that. forget, yeah, something you don't forget." So you know, he's she's got sort of a sort of a not the greatest streak, but then she's also on some sort of civil servant council thing. So, you know, it looks like she's had her redemptive arc and is backsliding a little bit. I don't know. I mean, everything she's doing right now, it seems to be is for him, including stealing the car. I mean, that is so I mean, they can true. get away from at least four guys with guns. I think it's not necessarily backsliding entirely it's more like relying on previous skills in order to survive this very moment yeah are you saying she has a certain set of skills yes <laughs> okay yeah uh so the other thing that uh that um agent bob brought up was the black lives matter kind of thing which i did I, I i felt the panic along with uh with mom you know i i know tyrone's gonna make it you know i know he's gonna be okay i just don't know how okay he's going to be and how he's going to be okay and in this you know his his 
his plan is let the police come. I'm unarmed and I'll let them arrest me. I think his plan was also, I hope I can teleport out of here before they come, but. Or teleport out of the cell once they get me in there. That'd be another possibility. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, but didn't he, didn't somebody counter him with that sort of issue? Whereas where, yeah, you're going to get arrested or whatever, but you're the kid who's thought of as the cop killer. Yeah, it's it's not going to be just an arrest. And they make no. it clear when O'Reilly and his mom go out and they hear, you know, O'Reilly says he's unarmed and they say, yeah, so is Connors. You know, I mean, yeah. it, and, and so they are going in not with the intention to arrest. And, you know, I mean, there's there's a, there's layers and layers of things there. Um, you know, I mean, just the, he killed the cop. Well, perception is he killed the cop. Perception is reality at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, when we get to the end of this episode and Connors is now out and on the run and he he's outside of the cloak now. That's going to be an interesting what happens next because everybody thought he was dead. Yeah, yeah, totally. So if he's not dead, then he can't have been killed and he can't have been shot by uh, by Tyrone. Yeah. He, yeah, he can't be a cop killer because the guy's alive. And that's probably the single best way to be found innocent is that the crime never even happened in the first place. Yeah, but do we do we honestly believe Connors is going to be like, no, it's fine. It's cool. Whatever. No, no. he's not going to be. It's fine. But at the same time, it, it does give. A, it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's now another enemy out on the run. And and out in, in public and who knows where the church is. He Connors now knows where the church is because he. Was in it and broke through a window to get out of it. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is he going to go to the police and say, hey, this kid kidnapped me? Because. <laughs> or is he going to say I was I had to get uh, get out of town for whatever reason? He's going to go to the church and you're going to go to cops and say, look, I'm behind all these girls missing. I did run some drugs. And so I'd really appreciate it if you arrested me and let Ty off the hook. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. What? Mark my words. Yeah. Um, oh, and I'm responsible for getting Thanos all of the Infinity Stones. I think it's more likely that Loki is alive <laughs> in Endgame. Oh, good. <laughs> Good. We brought we brought up that that dead horse there. Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, hey Ben, do you want to talk about what happens inside the cloak? Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about the inside. There's a lot of darkness on the inside, and there's also a trail of blood on the inside. And there's a gas station, and it's a Roxxon gas station, of course. And there's a child just laying on the ground near the refrigerator where Fuchs was. Uh. And he sits up and he starts talking to Tandy. And I had to start rewinding a lot of stuff here because (laughs) there is just the stuff he's saying is stuff and nonsense, you know, but then it's not, you know, it's, it's that hidden wisdom 
hidden that in only dead children in voids can give, I guess. This guy's not it's not Tyrone though. I mean he looks like Tyrone. Fuchs was, yeah, was there in the refrigerator. Yeah. Um who served the same role for mayhem. And he says, I am that which stands in the crossroads. And he references a couple things, but one of them is St. Peter. You know, it's like St. Peter's the guy who in it's not pop culture, but it is partially pop culture. But in um yeah, I'll, I'll go with pop culture. He's the guy who stands at the, the pearly gates, the gates into heaven, and he's the one with the list and checks off, you know, who gets to go in, who gets to who doesn't go in and, and goes down to the other place. Um, he says he's seen half a woman and asks, what do you want from her? And then he talks about how the only way out is through and you need to go through the gauntlet of transactions, which <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's that's when you try to check out at Walmart when they don't have enough <laughs> registers. Yeah. Uh, open. The gauntlet yeah. of transactions is the uh, self-serve. Um, oh, the, the self-serve at, at Walmart. You guys, Kroger you guys don't like the self-serve? It's actually faster. It's so much faster. You, you yeah, get in line and you're like, oh, my goodness, this line is so long. But then you realize you're in one line for eight registers. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why I like it. Plus, I used to be a grocery store cashier, so that's not an issue for me to run one of those machines. It is for me because I go too fast for it. And uh, I'm like, I want to just go. Oh, okay. Hey, Stu, you got to put the item that you last scanned onto the scale first before you pick up the next one. <laughs> that's you what I hate. It. You know, I'll be just putting the stuff in the bags, putting the stuff in the bags, and then my eight-year-old will lean on it. And it's like, please remove item. And I'm just like, there is no item. My eight year old just yeah. ruined this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but yes, I, you know, the got one of transactions, it's very, it's a very interesting phrase. Yeah. There's a I lot of think- pseudo spirituality going on here and a lot of um, very mythological and spiritual sounding things that he's saying. And, and the gauntlet of transactions is, is just one of them. And so there, then we have a transaction. It doesn't feel like much of a gauntlet, but there is a transaction. And Sounds more like voodoo to me than any one particular religion, because you know voodoo is a mixture of different faiths put together, and it's um, that's local to the Caribbean and uh, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, it, it, voodoo does take up a lot of different things. This to me sounds very much just like that wise fool, you know, and the, and also the writer coming up with really cool sounding things. Well, what happened was he watched season one of American gods because this Uh, really reminded me of that, um, which is a show on, uh, on stars. I think so. I haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, it, it follows the book by Neil Gaiman that does a lot of this sort of, you know, what if the gods were real, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But it, it it's very, um, oh, what's the, this was too, uh, where symbolic, you know, nothing is real, but everything is real, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of, you know, some of the psychedelic uh, Beatles, yeah. you know, and, and that kind of thing, you know, um, yellow submarine lyrics. But anyway, <laughs> She, a transaction does happen. 
there's the there's pay binoculars, right? And there's a sign. And again, I'm rewinding now because I'm missing stuff. There's a sign that says insert payment and let go. And then the kid says, you have to play. You have to pay to play. Give it up and go on. You'll have it whenever you want it. Just know if you take it out in there, the journey's over. Like it's just all these like bam, 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 bam. It is fast. If if you're not paying attention, you're not going to know what's going on. If you are paying attention, Life. you may not know what's going on too. He brought up the word the crossroads, and um, and I thought for sure he was going to mention um, so. The the birthplace of the blues is is the crossroads, and it's a southern thing down in um oh where is it in Mississippi Clarksdale Mississippi, and it's where Highway sixty one and another highway anyway they they Highway sixty one and Clarksdale meet and the, and that's where Robert Johnson was supposedly given the blues. So it's really like, but he didn't mention that, but that's what the crossroads is when I hear it. And part of this, you know, Clarksdale, Mississippi is only a couple hundred miles away from New Orleans. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that that didn't happen. That wasn't mentioned. So I'm wondering if, like, I'm reading too much into it or it's going to come back later on. Yeah, because I'm going to, you know, like uh, the uh, the monomyth kind of thing where the crossroads is is that important moment of decision for any heroic journey. You know, you, oh, you reach yeah. the crossroads Absolutely. and you have to choose one way or another. We had our own crossroads here, but we turn, you know, we turned to page 26. They had that, that scene in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. Where there's that crossroads yeah. and he met the guy. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, that, yeah. and that's based on um, Greek the, mythology and yeah. the Odyssey. And so is the crossroads. Does that concept go all the way back to Greek mythology? Well, that's just what I was saying is that, that yeah. monomyth where it's 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 something that's kind of in every story. You know, when you have a character arc, you have a crossroads and you have to choose and which way are you going? And usually your hero is going to choose um, something right and and re- be rewarded for it or choose something wrong and pay the price and learn something from it. And in this case, um Dagger, uh, Tandy, is given a choice. She has a coin slot that opens, and she realizes that um, she has to give up her dagger. And and so he he says, yep. And she's like, so I'm supposed to head into uncertain doom without the only thing that keeps me safe. And he says, it's not the only thing. So she puts it in, and a coin comes out. It's her receipt. So we have a transaction here. And so is this the gauntlet right here? But – he says every coin has two sides to it. And she looks at it on one side is a, a light dagger. On the other side is a cloak looking thing that looks like uh, Tyrone does when he uses his, his shadow cloaky power. And she realizes that she has also given up the other side of her powers. And that other side of her powers means that the Tyrone can't use his powers to help his mom escape. Which also means conveniently his mom doesn't know he has powers. <laughs> That's true. She doesn't have to have that fight with him. It, yeah. it is this the first time we've ever really gotten concrete knowledge that their powers are one hundred percent linked? Well, I mean, no. I mean, they're they're that. Oh yeah, last season they had like a whole episode based on um, 
the divine pairing and yes yeah and uh, every time it's just every every story ended well not every story but almost a lot of these stories ended with um when one would die the other would die too well yeah but yeah i mean i guess i guess that's the symbolic it's the question, divine pairing this, i mean this is right. this is something that's yeah. been brought up and this is i think maybe the first time where we see their powers are linked like that mm-hmm. but it may not even be the first time, but I think it's just been kind. It's been implied all along that their powers are linked. I mean, since the beginning. I mean, they they got yeah. the powers together, you know. Yeah, and, right. And every coin has two but, sides to it, and they are two sides of the coin. And yeah. she looks in the binoculars, and I think she sees herself, but she sees I a mall, so and. And then suddenly she's in the mall following the trail of blood and mayhem attacks her. And then they it's argue a little bit. What? <laughs> okay. I just had to sing. Let's go to the mall by Robin Sparkle. Oh. It's a, it's a, how I met your mother reference. And speaking yeah. of references, yes, uh, there was a crossroad. Well, actually the crossroads comes up many times in the show supernatural, but it's under completely different circumstances because hmm. it's more deal of with the devil sort of situation well all right then yeah so just gliding but yeah well i think that 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 is in itself a uh mythological trope is Mm -hmm. that the devil will come to you at an actual crossroads well i mean that makes perfect sense if you're setting if you're standing at a decision or a big fork as i like to think of it from the muppet movie Mm -hmm. um a giant fork (laughs) a giant fork in the road um you know that's that's where the devil will come into you and be like, Hey, you know, do this thing. And the angel sits on your other shoulder and says, Hey, do this thing. So, I mean, yeah, it it really works for that. Yes. So they're in a mall and there's mall maps. They're using mall maps for navigation. (laughs) And, uh, Tandy says, you need me to get out of here. Ma'am says, sorry, princess, you know, we can't get out of here because it ends here in mirrors. And Tandy says, curiouser and curiouser, which is referencing Alice in Wonderland. And this is where we're getting, I think, some of our uh, title from the rabbit hold, um, where it's, you know, that's a big part of Alice in Wonderland is she's following the rabbit. And well, that's the the title of the episode is rabbit hold with a D. Mm -hmm. But Alice went down a rabbit hole with an E. So, yeah, but she followed yeah. a rabbit then when she went through. True. And there is also in Alice's uh, through the looking glass. There's the mirror, um, and then the curiouser yes. and curiouser is is from that as well. So, um, so they look in the mirrors. Mayhem has no reflection, but Tandy has many. And which mirror is true? And as she looks, one of the reflections is different, and that one that's different has a dagger. And then. Ma'am realizes things are different. Someone's been living here. So they are finding like new things. They they have stepped through some sort of portal because the mall that they're in now is different than the mall they were in before. And I almost wonder, like, is this was that um, Mayhem's own personal one? And now they're in Connor's personal one. I don't know. But they find a place where there's all of these rain ponchos that have been hung up almost like, uh, you know, a totem warning kind of thing. Um, like don't, you know, go no further, but these rain ponchos look like cloak. And then they find the record shop. 
and all of the names on the records and in the dividers are the names of the missing girls. Now, there's other names as well, but yeah, Mayhem, she talks about the missing women and talks about how she's on their trail and these women were taken because they won't be missed, but she still doesn't know why. And, you know, she says the, the city's full of monsters, but this is a different breed of monster. What kind of monster needs to keep all this pain cataloged in one place? Cataloged on records, you know, keeping records of record. <laughs> so, yeah. And Tandy finds a record with her name on it. Now, do the kids know what the records are? The kids watching the show? <laughs> yeah. Good point. Well, they would now. I mean, they actually see it happen. You know, you put the thing well, on the thing and you true. put the needle down and music starts coming. Um, it's just, you know, my record player that I had when I was a kid didn't, you know, bring back deeply, deeply hidden memories of terrible, terrible things. You well, should have gotten um, the upgrade. Um, I'd, I'd say yes, because sometimes going into what was old and uh, playing vintage records uh, can be fashionable among teenagers these days. So um, now I asked that. Now I'm thinking I saw like the Mary Poppins return soundtrack on vinyl at Walmart. So I'm sure somebody somewhere could figure it out. They show it happening on screen like this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, no. And I get that too. I get that too, Ben. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, vinyl is coming back for high-end collectors and and people who yeah. want uh, basically for for hipsters but yeah, <laughs> yeah. well i wasn't gonna say that but okay ben <laughs> yeah so tandy has her own section in this record store and they talk about what is the word for the lack of hope and they don't ever say the word but you know what the word is dear listener do you know what the word is it's despair despair and the name of a monster that Cloak and Dagger deal with in multiple issues of their early comics is Despair. He's a yeah monstrous, mystical thing. And I think we are building up toward that, where inside Tyrone's cloak, there's a connection to Despair and this evil Marvel villain. So... You can mark my words there. I've already well, said it a couple it, times, but I'm thinking that these malls that's happening in in the cloak, um, maybe it's sort of like going into a prison cell where they look exactly the same. And Tandy was the key to get from one cell to the next. I, I think you and might be onto something. So in this version is Connor's version of the mall and this may be hinting at um, bigger things that are going on around him. Like why was he do dealing with drug dealers? Um, and it, it, why is he involved with these disappearing girls? And who on earth is Connor's supposed uncle that he kept talking about in season one? <laughs> That's interesting so, though, that the, so the record store is Connor's instead of mm -hmm. the monsters. That'd be. So I'm wondering hmm. if, Connors will eventually become despair or this this mystery uncle. Or is despair just using Connors? True. Like, it, it, you know, despair is the big bad, but Connors is a, a pawn. Right. Hmm. 
Interesting. Again, that's that's we're talking about it a really long time, and I don't have any problem with it. I'm just saying that this episode is sparking discussion. Um, it, it's not all laid out, and I would argue that this series is sparking discussion too, uh, not just around us, around other people. There's a lot to chew on. There is. There is a lot mm-hmm. to chew on. Um, so here's some stuff. This they put a record on and it's uh it's tandy as a child a young child in a crib and the music starts and it's hit me baby one more time acoustic <laughs> version and not just acoustic version the melodramatic acoustic version it's really well done like yeah. this song is surprisingly effective done in this style by whoever this person is which i meant to look it up but i didn't um it's really well done. I was amazed at how I was being affected by it because mm-hmm. the lyrics are suddenly a completely different thing. Kudos to whoever found that version of the song. But basically all these memories are then also of off-screen abuse happening with mom and dad. Um, dad to mom, I should say. Um, it's not mom and dad are both abusing each other, but mom is being abused and she's a child she doesn't understand or she's a child blocking it out. Galia Arad does the baby one more time cover. Hmm. Yeah, I thought um, I remember I was a teenager when the Britney Spears version came out and I hated it. And then I heard this and I saw it juxtaposed to the scene and I was like, OK, um, as depressing as this is about child or family abuse, um, I actually like this version better. Of the song. Well, it, so, yeah. Yeah, it fit the emotion of the scene really well. Yeah, it did. Yeah. In fact, all three of the songs, she had three albums, three album covers, and all three of them were graphically tied to it and um, musically tied to the memory that she was, she was getting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't reveal anything new. What it does reveal is... Okay, whether it's Connors or whether it's Despair himself, which, you know, I'm talking about him as if he's a character that we don't even know if it's a character yet. But um, whoever it is that has this record store here in this mall thing, um, like these are unwrapped. Uh, or No, they're, they're, un, they're, they're still sealed. They're not wrapped. They're right, not unwrapped. They're still sealed. And, uh, you know, they're, they're taking these memories out. And so I'm just wondering, you know, is this something that like the records are from the girls and they're being stored there or stolen there? And um, it's it's just really, really interesting what they've got going on here. And I'm really, really curious, like, what is what is going on in here? How much are they going to explain about this mystical place inside Tyrone's cloak? I don't think we're ever going to see it again. <laughs> I think that's just. I think it's less to do what's what's going on inside of Tyrone's cloak as more to do with what's going on inside of Connor's and what's going on inside of of Mayhem uh, and what's going on inside of Tandy. It's more of a dreamlike state than than opposed to. um, It's more about the people in it than about the physical place. I mean, Well, well, but that's curious then, because, you know. Tandy doesn't have the same thing going on as Connors and Mayhem. In fact, Tandy's Tandy's told like they can't leave without you. Or basically, uh, 
Mayhem can't leave without you. And then at the end here where um, Mayhem finds Connors, tries to hang him, and she comes – Tandy comes with her dagger and cuts Connors down. And then she's broken the rules and things go black and then uh, Tandy is out of the cloak. And so is Connors. Where's Mayhem? We don't know. But Connors is out now. And I'm assuming that Mayhem is still in there because, you know, it's like Mayhem needed you to get out. But I also think Connors needed her to get out. And so it's it's the two have to go. What she said at the beginning uh, two go in, one goes in to come out. Or she said something like that, where it's, it's kind of like a really failed reference to Thunderdome. <laughs> I, I got it. Yeah, but it was a failed reference. So in the comics, how was Despair portrayed? Is he is he a human that that falls off the wagon of humanity, or is he a metaphysical monster, or or what? If I remember correctly, it's he's metaphysical monster. Okay, if he's a metaph, I mean, you could make the argument that Despair is the the cloak itself. And that when I mean, because when they get transported inside to the rocks on gas station crossroads section, I mean, it's not a happy, cheery place. You might say that it's the absence of hope. Maybe. I mean, when she touched someone in the previous episode, there was no hope. Hope was gone. Right. And And they were in this black void. Yeah. Yes. It was this very similar to this black void here. Right. Um, So I'm I'm just. I had meant to read my Cloak and Dagger comics, but I read the book instead. And so I want to get to that and get back into despair. He's, he's nasty. I I just remember that. And I've only, I haven't read the entire series. I own the entire series now because of this show, but I haven't, I just haven't read it yet. So, well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, one of the, one of the great things about weekly episodic TV is, you know, it does have us chomping at the bit to say what's next. Yep. Yep. And what's next? Well, Tyrone, Tandy, both safe in the church right now. Connors is out, which means there's all sorts of stuff going on that just is going to lead to more problems and more interesting conundrums. And, yeah. Tyrone's mom knows that he is out there and not running away, but staying in New Orleans. She's not happy about that, but she's able to make peace that he can take care of himself. And yeah, so there's there's some sweetness in this episode. There's a lot of mystery in this episode. And so I was just reading a review of this episode saying that this was uh, a rare misfire for the series and i would say no <laughs> i would say nay it nay. is not nay. not Strong reviewer disagree. from whatever website you're on that i'm not going to call you out because that's that's mean but are they yeah. sure they were watching the cloak and dagger episode well, he's just the reason though Samantha. it says it's- cloak and dagger rabbit hole review a rare misfire like that's well, because I it's, think they were it's, watching the wrong show. Well, it's also not laid out, right? It doesn't it doesn't neatly tie up everything in a little bow that says, by the way, Connors is the bad guy and 
if you rearrange the letters in his name, it gets despair. You know, they don't lay all that stuff out, which is why people think it's a misfire. You actually, you actually have to think about things. Oh, you? okay. So the reviewer is not a thinking man. Well, uh, I, we're not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not making that statement. I'm just saying that it, I am. <laughs> The review, the views of Samantha do not express the views of. Um, <laughs> the other thing I really want to do is rewatch Agent Carter because I want to see the the things that were going on with all the um, the dark energy in Agent Carter when they're being pulled in and, and stuff like that. Like, is this the same thing that's happening here with Cloak? Where are they going into that that other world, dreamy dimension? You know, if they are. Somebody really needs to rein the leash in on Roxxon. They are doing some bad, bad stuff. That is a very, very Roxxon thing, though. Like in the comics, they're just bad. Like anything that could be bad, they're they're doing it. <laughs> now I want to go back and rewatch Peggy, Peggy Carter, Agent Carter. Well, I I could have. We hit the point in season two where we had the. With Your my family, family, with my kids, yeah. yeah. Season two of Agents of Shield, where it was the mid-season finale, and we could have just gone in order of release and and watched the first season of Agent Carter, but we don't but need I to. I don't want to watch Peggy Carter. Dad. Shut up! We're watching it in order. Oh, those kids are missing out. They'll see. I'm it. not. They'll see it. They're just not seeing it right now. Oh, by the way, trivia on uh, Agent Carter um, in season one. Her department is. Um, hidden inside of a telephone communication center. Um, the real government, the U- real U S governments used to at least used to use, um, AT&T as a cover for their oh. stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I know as far as the early nineties, I'm not sure. I know that much, but. Well, I've got one more piece of feedback here, and this is from Agent Hank. And he writes back after last week saying, well, I guessed right about learning what happened to Connors. The only question I have is if Mayhem's crossroads figure was Fuchs and Tandy's was Little Ty, who was Connors' crossroads figure? Ty's brother? I wonder Hmm. if it was Little Ty. Could have been. It was very interesting that when Tandy surrendered her power, it also cut Ty off from his. The two are completely interconnected, just as we expected. The scene of Tandy and Mayhem looking in the mirror and seeing the fractured aspects of Tandy merging into one was a nice touch. Hopefully, this is a reminder that Tandy can't compartmentalize herself. She is who she is, regardless of her situation or surroundings. The record store was an amazing metaphor for the season so far. All of these records of the missing girls cataloged and with appropriate cover art were very chilling. Then we see a whole section of records of Tandy's life, including a few stills, a few still in the shrink wrap. As they are played, it becomes evident that these are moments when her parents fought and Tandy was unaware, either because she couldn't comprehend it, like when she was a baby, or because she chose not to deal with it, as in the times when she turned up the headphones or walked out of the room so she wouldn't hear. She now comes face to face with the reality that the signs were there all along, in spite of her mother trying to hide them, but she ignored them. At the end, we see Tandy evicted from the cloak dimension with Ty, and it looks like Connors is back as well. But where is Mayhem? Is she still trapped? What will happen next? I, for one, although I suspect I'm not the only one, am looking forward to next week. And you are not the only one looking forward to next week. 
Well, the problem for us is when the next Cloak and Dagger episode airs, we're going to be at the movie theater. Well, that's only a problem so. if you watch it live because we oh, true. I did not watch it live. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so final words about this episode? I really liked it and I think it was a good episode and I think that it it's good for TV to make you have to think about things and rewind and rewatch and not every day, not every time, you know. Give me a give me a helicarrier and some and some masked avengers. Those would be fun too. But to have a to have a, a smaller show that makes you think like this. I really like how this show is playing with mythology and mixing things up. And voodoo is really the perfect way to focus all of that mythology. Um, because it does, like I said earlier, bring different faiths and ideas and bring it together um, into one broader concept for lack of a better term. Um, (laughs) Actually, that's kind of a contradiction in terms, but anyways, anyways. Yeah. So it, it works really well with um, mixing and matching and it, it, and it's, it feels like despite the mixing and matching, it feels like one cohesive story. That's, um, not nearly as confusing as this explanation. <laughs> um, but I would also like to thank our Patreon patrons, Andrew Jeffrey, Tassel084, and Blessed Cheesemaker. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I love that name. I really do. Blessed Cheesemaker. Yeah. I do too. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And I also want to say thank you to our, our patrons. Hey, and I'm just going to give you some advice of what I would any advice if you're playing blackjack just say it just say hit me baby one more time Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one level seven. Also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. Thanks for joining us until next time. Godspeed. I have the I have the official name of the book if you would like. Yeah, to. give us the official name okay. of the book. Marvel Studios Avengers Colon Infinity War Thanos Titan Consumed by Barry Liga. And this is a book that was intended to be canon for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then it was revealed to be not canon anymore because I think 
there's a couple things in this book that are going to be contradicted and have been in, contradicted. There's at least one thing. Right? Not the elementals, mm-hmm. the uh, Eternals. Uh, oh, that's what it is. The yeah. Eternals. And also, um, I mean, they're talking about how they have ships with faster than light travel. And in Captain Marvel, they were talking about how that was impossible. Like it was mm, – like they okay. couldn't do it in Captain Marvel. It couldn't go faster than light. And so there, there's one thing right there. Um, the book itself, my son read it. He liked it. I liked it. It's a great um, light, fast read of a sci-fi novel. And and each section is based on – has the section heading of one of the Infinity Stones and it just follows Thanos as he has to leave Titan and he has to leave Titan because he had an idea, not an idea to get superheroes and put them together in the Avengers. No, he had an idea to deal with the overpopulation problem. He talked about it in Infinity War. Just half, just kill half. What I, what I appreciated for the book was that it really went through his struggles with that. I mean, yes, he was always, he always knew like Gamora says in infinity war, ever since I've known him, he wanted to do this. And that's accurate. Like they, they didn't take anything away from that, but he had to come to grips with it. You know, he had to come to the idea that he just was a thing he was going to do. And so it, I liked that. It almost painted him like the hero, which is really weird. Almost yeah, until I, you hit a point in the book toward the end, and I'm not going to give away too much, but where he realizes that um, the because he's going planet by planet, but mm-hmm. then he realizes the whole universe in 200 billion years is right. going to deal with this, and so I'm going to take care of it now. And that's where it goes from. Okay, that's either stupid or he's insane. Right. The Mad like, I, Titan, which they, they use that phrase, the Mad Titan, throughout the book. And it's kind of uh, self-deprecating. He's, he's using the phrase because other people use it against him, you know. But when he hits that point, I'm like, oh, okay, here's where it all kind of unravels a little bit for me. <laughs> yeah, when I finished up the book, I felt like I had been in the mind of a mad genius, which he is. Um. But I also laughed at the bit where he realized, hey, was it two point whatever billion years? I think it's 200 billion. I think it was 200 billion 200 years. billion years, yeah. yeah. That there's going to be an overpopulation problem. And I'm like, one, there's way too many variables for that to actually happen for the whole universe. And two, that's like worrying about the sun expanding into a, um, a, a red giant and consuming the the entirety of Earth as we know it. Yeah. Well, that. I mean, Samantha, you say there's too many variables. There's 200 billion years of variables. (laughs) And so that's the one spot where it's like they did such a great job of kind of uh, explaining and and giving reasoning. And and then you hit that point and it's just, okay, no, this is. So, so if you're, so hold on. If you're saying, what I hear you, th- what I think I hear you saying is, you don't have a problem with him wanting to snap his fingers and ha- and it be gone. Where you're having a problem with is he's like, no, we're going to do that in 200 billion years. Like the 200 billion is the problem. Well, yeah, the problem. So in the movie, right? You you hit the point where he he's, he does the snap, and that's been his plan all along. Uh, I'm okay with that because they don't explain it too much. 
this is just his solution to a universal problem, which is there's too many people. And it's immediate. He is – there's an urgency. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in the book, it takes away all urgency. You know, because of 200 billion years. Yeah. The, the urgency becomes that he sees that it's going to happen in 200 billion years. He knows he won't live that long. And so he's going to have to do it now before he dies. And I, it just, it, that's the one spot where it kind of just pulls away and just, I lose a little bit of, because I, I was actually at one point, I was literally reading part of this book while I'm watching Infinity War with my kids. You know, mm-hmm. to you know, rewatching it rather, and in the movie, he's saying, you know, I'm when when I'm done, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch the sun rise over a grateful universe, you know, and it I I'm doing something for the universe right now, and not only that, you should be grateful right now, and it just there's power in that in that infinity war is thanos's story in this it that's that again that it's just that one bit where when he makes the leap from i'm doing this on a case by case basis to a universal basis and and it, it yeah didn't work as well as the rest of the book worked for me okay i'll yeah. give you that uh, i mean it's not really mine to give but i i, I see your point <laughs> yeah. But the rest of the what? book I, I liked. I, I I did. And I loved uh the the final the final chapter with um the way he gets that final or that first stone rather and there's there's mm-hmm. some really interesting things. I'm glad that they stopped it when they did, where it's not retelling the you know, Thanos' side with the movies. Um and you're not getting a chapter where he's just, oh, they're on Earth now, you know, but it does set up right. why he's not doing it himself in the movies and it also sets up, you know, I, I will say that it does kind of retell the, the Gamora scene where he first meets Gamora. And I think it does it pretty faithfully Yeah, to yeah. the movie. Yeah. So I would say that's probably the one point that actually, you know, it would be repetitious, which it's not. You know, it's short uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's not giving too much new information uh, mm-hmm. other than, you know, more detail about what's going on there. Um, yeah, I. Overall, it's it's a it's a good book if you're interested in in seeing. Uh, it, it's been re- it's been relegated now to official headcanon of of Barry Lega or Lego, whatever his name was. I can't remember now, but um, yeah, it's it, it's official which, to that universe of the book, but it's just yeah. not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I was really excited about. Yeah, I mean, if you read the if you read the the book, the first page is oh this is, i i recognize that scene and then you read the second page oh i recognize that scene <laughs> you know because it does sort of reference these things as he's floating around in space and time yeah well actually i'm glad that it didn't basically become a repetition of many scenes in the movie like we've seen with the uh so-called uh was it prequel comics the mc yeah. prequel comics yeah, yeah. Where they're really just reproductions of scenes we've seen from other movie, other movies, um, which well, is 
Uh, they could have just... done. They could have done. Well, here's the scene from Thanos's point of view, or here's Ronan yeah. reporting in about this other adventure we didn't know about, or you know, it could have. But they they wisely, I think, or he wisely stops it at the point where he just Thanos decides what's going on, and and there's some really interesting stuff that happens along the way as well, and and yeah, I enjoyed reading it. Um, I, I I just wish. Yeah. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like a river, you know, and, and as it flows, you don't know exactly where it's going to cut into the soil. And so they kind of know where the river is heading. But at the same time, things change along the way. And, you know, this was not, you know, the, the whole Thanos thing. I was just reading an article and I don't know how accurate this is, but the whole Thanos thing was just a... um just put there on a lark by, uh, by Joss Whedon at the, you know, that post credit for Avengers. And suddenly it's everything is, is, is based on that. And so you can see where they had to make some course corrections. And, and so, um, the Marvel cinematic universe has this, it's all connected hashtag, but then it's also a, you know, it's all connected, but at the same time, it's different people working on it. And yes, there's a plan, but the plan can change. We can bring in a Spider-Man movie, which is going to push other things out and away mm -hmm. and further, you know, and, and in, in some cases, you know, mean that we're not going to get the Inhumans movie. We're going to get the Inhumans TV show. Um, and, and so it's it's very interesting how this all works, how it's all connected and it's fun to watch. But at the same time, that means, you know, this book. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is that's that's not canon anymore, but that would have been in the book, um, you know. But now the book is not canon because you you mentioned the Eternals movie. Well, mm -hmm. that might be it. That, that might be it. I mean, I'd love I'd love to sit and talk to Barry Liga at some point and just pick his brain. Although I I doubt he would say, "Oh, well, this was canon, and now it is not." I don't think he'd say that. But it'd be interesting to see where he started from, and to see where you end. I'm really curious what the process was for him. Where they, mm -hmm. you know, how much was he privy to? Um, mm -hmm. I, that that would be very curious. But I, yeah, I know he's not going to be able to say. Well, he may not even know. He may not even know what what it was that's suddenly not canon anymore. Um, that would have been in his book, but they did something in a movie to to trumpet. So, mm -hmm. what I wish they had done instead, when they realized that there were going to be some changes, was actually to hold off on the release of this book, and then done some editing, made some changes where they could have, and then released it with around the same time as Endgame, around the same time or maybe slightly after. I think that would have served. Um, I forget the author's name. I, I think they would have served his work better because I know for an author, it takes what, at least a year to complete a book like this, maybe. And it's like they put all, they gave him the money that he put all the time and effort to come up with this story with the information that he gave him. And then they threw it all away. Like right as they were about to well, release it or, or they made it, they um, threw away the canon label on it so one of the things i think we're we're fighting against is the idea of canon versus not canon and you know as a star wars fan you know we had this fight before and i think what is 
fights may be the wrong word, disagreement. And I think what is an interesting sort of counterpoint to all this is um, there are people inside Lucasfilms who uh, Pablo Hidalgo and all those guys who are just over the canon part of things. And so every book, every movie, every comic under the new Star Wars canon has to sort of go through their eyes. I'm not sure that Mar- that the MCU has that. I think it's really just in inside one guy's head, and that guy's name is Kevin Feige. So I'm not sure that there's a group of people sort of scouring every book and every comic and everything. That's why we get a lot of like retellings. I think. No, I, I think you're right, and I mean even. The Marvel Cinematic Universe contradicts itself in a couple different places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting you bring up Star Wars because the the movie tie-in book for Revenge of the Sith, I'm not sure about others, um, but I read an interview with the author where he actually got um, notes back from his editors. And so there's notes from the editor, notes from the editor, notes from the editor, and then he gets notes from Lucas. And it's George Lucas's notes on, and you know, he's he's correcting grammar or changing grammar. Um, he's adding in dialogue here and there, and you know, and so everything that that Revenge of the Sith novel had in it was uh, Lucas approved, you know. Mm-hmm. And so anything new, which a lot of novels novelizations add new things in, um, anything new, uh, Lucas gave a stamp of approval to. And so sometimes having the one guy with the one story in his head is is helpful, you know. Um, and so th- that's where I'm, I'm curious, like how much interaction with with Kev Dog was there for for Barry, um, and you know, because you have you have you can take. There are some places you can go where it's just easy to do, like a Cold War adventure with um, the original Ant Man. You know, it's right. just it's just something easy and it's it'll be hard to contradict later on. Um, they're not going to go there in time with any storytelling. And so, hey, they can get away with that. Um, the backstory and universe building that you find in Thanos, there is a lot there. And just mm-hmm. one scene could very, very easily just even one sentence could very, very easily just knock it off course to where, okay, it's, it's no longer canon anymore because you mentioned this star system that we are going to talk about as well in this movie and this star system that you have in that movie. Well, in, in the book, it's, it's, you know, it's got different landscape or something like that. And it just suddenly it's sorry. And perhaps we will find out in two days. I'm very curious. Uh, I'm very glad to have read the book before the the movie mm-hmm. um, because I, I'm I'm going to be watching in some ways I think for some okay so what what did it you know what did it for Barry and I I've been there I've been there I I did a project once where I wrote a whole like it was uh, all these different chapters and there were f- different short stories and I wrote one and they wrote back to me and said yeah, we didn't want that we wanted something else and so I had this whole thing that they paid me for writing. But it never saw print because it wasn't exactly – and they hadn't told me that. They 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 came back and said, we didn't tell you that we didn't want this, but we don't want this. We want this other thing instead. And and so I delivered what they wanted and I got paid for it. But it was just this weird kind of, uh, I just did this work of art writing you know, that no one's ever going to see. Now, the good thing for Barry, it still went out. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's it's sure. still out. It's published. I have the hardcover by my bed right now. You guys listen to the audiobook. Um, I found myself wishing I had the audiobook because I couldn't just listen to it on my way to to work. But um, yeah, it it's a good book. I recommend the book. Um, and and there's so, there's some really interesting things in there. There's some really interesting characters in there, and. Yeah, characters we've yeah. never seen before that that I liked. And I thought I actually thought one of the characters, one of the main characters, was going to be a transition into another character, and then they introduced him, and I was like, "Oh, I guess that's not going to happen." Yeah, ah, yeah. <laughs> I I think I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Maybe we'll talk off mic or whatever. But I I was pretty convinced that that character was going to end up being this character, and nope. Mm. All right. Well, that's our post credit. I almost feel like this could be a bonus episode somehow. Almost. This is more almost. than more than a post credit. Uh, but probably not. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll see what happens when I release it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Next episode. Uh, next Avengers episode will definitely Endgame. be Cloak and Dagger, but will the episode after that be this and then in the end game? No. We'll do well, the end game next. Well, we'll record it next for sure. But the question is when we're going to record it, because finding time to record is a interesting conundrum lately. <laughs> With us, yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to enjoy Endgame in two days. Me too. I'm going to see it, uh, and I'll find out if I enjoy it after it's done. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. Whatever, Ben. Okay, so you guys are seeing it at seven thirty on Thursday Eastern time, right? Seven. Oh, oh, I'll be in an out uh, in the theater an hour before Ben. So I'll be there seven <laughs> Eastern. So that's six Eastern. So Samantha, you're there at uh, six Eastern. So that's five Central, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I won't have seen it. I'll see it again last. <laughs> Uh, but I won't. Be, I won't have seen it until nine o'clock Central Time that time. So, you want to hear I'll the craziest be- story about that though? What I was seeing, you know, there people are adding um, theaters rather are adding show times mm-hmm. because they're just they just can't keep up. And so there's a friend of mine who he wants to see the movie, doesn't want to be spoiled, uh, couldn't get any Thursday night showing. He is going. Friday morning. You want to guess what time? Midnight. 9 a.m. 8 a.m. Wow. 8 a.m. <laughs> showing. That's amazing. I went to a Friday showing of, was it Prince Caspian? I think it was Prince Caspian. I'm not sure, but I think it was Prince Caspian. It was an 11 o'clock showing on Friday. Um, when when I when I worked at the movie theater when episode one hit and we had hourly showings for the first weekend, 24 hours a day. That's the kind of thing they're doing here. I mean, this is a three hour movie. And so that's right. the other thing that's difficult for theaters is just figuring out how are we going to fit this into our schedule? Right. But man, but thankfully, we live. <laughs> I live in, you know, a pretty small little town. <laughs> and uh, so I don't think we're going to have any issues where. Um. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have eighteen eighteen showings of it. I yeah, just hope I still... can get five seats together. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my trick. 
Yeah, because you have to take the whole family, don't you? Well, five of the seven, yeah. I'm, I'm not taking my eight-year-old to this. Oh, I told and my And I'm not taking my wife because she could not sit through three hours of this. <laughs> I told my 12-year-old, I said, you better act right or I'm going to spoil it for you. Nice. Oh, <laughs> so all right all right have a good night guys. All right. see you guys good night guys